There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, 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 it's Renaissance Renaissance, which is our Playboy spin-off show, but you wouldn't remember that because it's been a year since I've done one. Episode two, we're doing uh, Marlowe again. I'm joined by Playboy Alex from the Playboy's show. And uh, Alex, which play are we doing? We are doing, um, is it okay to say, uh, Jew of Malta? Yeah, I mean, I think that's... <laughs> I think it's just... The only title the we have, right? Title, kind of, Yeah. <laughs> I know with the last one, with The Merchant of Venice, we was like, well, we can use the nice, new, polite title. With this one, it's like, yeah, that there, it's just called that. The, the Merchant of Malta. There we go. <laughs> you got the alliteration. Um, why didn't Marla choose that? Yeah, they should maybe have gone with Merchant of Malta, but sure. Pulled up yeah. my notes. There we go. So uh, we're trying to spend too long on this one. You know, it's not like an academically studied one or anything, but general thoughts, first of all, like, did you like it? I generally did. It was giving me a little bit of like the Count of Monte Cristo vibes mm-hmm. in it, but also it's that like it's that spider web of lies instead of but instead of lies, it's a spider web of uh, deaths. Um, <laughs> what do you think the body count is oh. in this play? It's got to be like a couple hundred, right? It, yeah, I think it gets a bit <laughs> mad at, at times. I I don't know. There's because there's a few specific individual deaths, but then near the end, it's just like, yeah, then we just like killed all of that army that came and everything. Like, okay. And then all the craftsmen <laughs> and then all these nuns for some yeah. reason. So it really racks up. Um, so if you want to play that may be anti-Semitic and also involve poisoning Maybe. nuns, um, then, then this is the one for you. Look, the main reason for doing this is we wanted to compare it with The Merchant of Venice. So... Obviously, that will come out as we go along, but I suppose I just want to ask you, you know, top-level comparison, do you think this one shows favorably in comparison to The Merchant of Venice? Uh, In what way? Do you mean, like, just in general, a good play in comparison to it? I think that it's safe to say they're both a good play, you know, but I think The Merchant of Venice is memorable, and I think people still like it, and, you know, it's one that you could do in schools and things. I do feel this one's a bit more obscure, or it hasn't held up quite as much, you know, Sure, sure. I mean, there are definitely scenes that get rushed quite a bit. And I even the version I was reading didn't specify which scenes were which. It was just the acts themselves. Yeah, Sam. Okay, yeah. And you know what? I do think I will remember this one a lot. Maybe not as much as Merchant of Venice, mm. but I think that there's just so much like death to it that it's going to be hard not to remember. <laughs> yeah. There really aren't many comparisons with Merchant of Venice. Sure, you have a Jewish merchant, but that's kind of it. Um, There's one or two little instances that are similar, um, but they're minor details, really. Like the driving force of the, the main story is different. 
you know, yeah. obviously it's a merchant thing. He's got his daughter. He talks about his daughter and his money stroke ducats, you know. But in general, like the majority of the play is not the same. I mean, the whole story with Portia and the chess is not in this play, you know. No, of course not. Yeah. So it's it's a totally... Because I suppose the idea is we felt maybe last time like Shakespeare had been influenced by this play. But in reality, the, I think the best parts of The Merchant of Venice are Shakespeare creations. They're not in this. Mm. I mean, the best part of it was probably, yeah, the chests and uh, falling in love with Portia. And then, honestly, the scenes with Shylock. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, seeing like him being human in a way. In this case, I do think that they're still human, but in just, I mean, every character is bad. We kind of discussed that a little bit before. Like, yeah. there's a couple good people, but like the basis of the story is that you have this Jewish guy who is being told like, all right, all the Jews now have to pay us like half of everything they have, all of their, like half of all their ass- assets. And if they don't do that, we take all of their assets yeah. and you get nothing. And then Barabbas, which interesting name choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll kind of have to get into the names. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. You got Barabbas, you got Machiavelli. You even have like Lodowick in this, which is sounds so similar to Lodovico from Othello. Yeah, my um, version actually calls him Lodovico at one point in the in the it, text. Same. So yeah, same. I wasn't sure why they said it that way in one point. It was the mother saying, anyway, "Yeah, I don't know." Um, what else? Like a lot of the names, just there's so many comparisons to other Shakespearean plays and other well, just famous people um but yeah i mean yeah let's start with the name because that was the first thing so i've written down immediately this chap is worse than shylock they're calling him barabbas like that is to tell <laughs> us that he's a bad guy right like it's trying to invoke obviously the biblical story like surely yeah absolutely but then also i was reading a summary of it just to make sure i got all the details mm. um and they keep calling him the protagonist and I feel that's so wrong in this, but I do think also, even aside from his name, I was kind of rooting for him for the first two acts. Like, yeah, these people wronged him. So now he's going to like have this. So, yeah, this is interesting because we spoke briefly after you'd read act two and you were, that was your opinion. So you're not rooting for him now, I think, right? <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> Boiled alive, maybe a little bit too much or whatever it was. It, well, but, okay, that that was a bit too much. Like, I'm not gonna. He also gonna ended lie, up but... trying to kill like a couple hundred people. He was just burn everything. It was very interesting. Um, He's kind of Shylock on steroids, you know. Like I think Shylock is a lot more sympathetic. This guy is really amped up. This guy is just he's trying to he's trying to be like Edmund Dantes. I feel like a revenge plot that goes perfectly and. Of course it doesn't. Um, <laughs> it's mostly, and he ends up having a slave in this, so he's not great for that either, but um, the, the slave just ruined everything. Just Yeah. Do they give him I, any good traits, though? Like, I think Shylock was sympathetic. I don't really think Barabbas is sympathetic. I don't think he's a good guy. Uh, again, through, like, Act 1, Act 2, he almost is obviously he's like setting up these like letters to get these two uh people fighting over his daughter to basically kill each other so not a great choice um 
Yeah, I've seen better. I I really just think that he's just intelligent. He's an incredibly intelligent guy and how he's going about it. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of luck on his side from Marlowe here. Like, I don't... (laughs) You have uh, later, like, act three or four in the play, you have these uh, friars, I guess, that come to him. They kill one of the friars and have him stand outside with his, like, staff. And another friar comes by and thinks he's going to be attacked, hits him on the head and feels that he accidentally killed this guy. <laughs> like, okay, you have to have a lot of luck for that to actually play yeah. out that way. Well, that was very clever. That, you know, Those very clever were a lot of fun, though. That was like the funniest <laughs> scene. You have just uh, Barabbas interrupting these friars who are like, yeah, and you did. Yes, I did fornicate, but uh, she's dead now. So... <laughs> interrupting them yeah and, oh it was it was actually quite comedic at times he I, he can be a very comedic character there's parts so look, let's look at how the play opens first thing is we learn that he's barabbas i realize that he's you know we're not meant to like him we have the machiavelli pro, uh, prologue of course as well as you mentioned um and then the first thing we see is the jew he refers to himself as the jew of malta um, he immediately, his first lines, he's talking about money. He has a lot of money. He wants a lot of money. Everyone in the town knows him. And um, all the Jews in the country are rich as kings. And he talks about there's a Jew of Malta, there's a Jew of this place, there's a Jew of that place, and they've all got a lot of money. So I think it's playing on stereotypes from like the opening scene, you know, and that's... Yeah. That's, yeah, it was tricky for me that I couldn't really find him. I don't know if I liked him or not. Because obviously the way he's written, I think you're not meant to, but then he is written to be a prejudiced stereotype. So that's not his fault either. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it might just be like a strange thing. I was kind of wanting him to survive through the whole play. Mm. And yeah, spoilers. But uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, I want to see where this goes. Uh, I want to see like how he succeeds. That's fair. That's fair. And Again, it's kind of like the Count of Monte Cristo type thing, I, I guess, but obviously immoral throughout. Yeah. So in the beginning, there's some other Jews who are kind of his lackeys, but they're not really that important. Um, we have the governor of Malta, who is Fernies. Um, he seems to owe like a decade of levies um, to the Turks. So he just hasn't paid like his tribute for a decade. So yeah. they not a very good, you know... <laughs> Uh, ruler or governor and he says well we need to pay up all this money and the, the jews have got a lot of money so as you mentioned this is the part where he says let's take half of everything they own and they all agree to that somehow and he says well if yeah. you don't we'll take all of what you own and because barabbas initially disagrees then changes his mind they're like no you initially disagreed so we're going to take everything that you own and if you put up any more resistance we're going to force you to convert to christianity yeah um, and th- that happens, that's mentioned in the Merchant of Venice as well, but although it doesn't happen, it, I think that theme does come up and how can you force someone to change their religion? It's an internal thing, but, you know. You know, actually, in Merchant of Venice, he does end up being forced to change religions. Does he? I can't quite remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, in this one, he doesn't. And basically what happens is his house is taken and turned into like a monastery or nunnery. Um and he's like, oh, it's fine. Like, um, I can just sneak in and get some of the money that I still had uh, hidden under some floorboards. And nope, 
can't get back <laughs> in there. You're not allowed. They meet. So he, this is set up as a monastery unbelievably quickly. Like, like, yes. like while they're still talking, he's like, well, can I go back home? Like, no, there's already nuns in there. Like, where do they come from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't get any, like, how many nuns are there? Who are they? Like, no, it's we don't. Installed, but like, so what, were they in a previous premises? Were these nuns just hanging around the street waiting until someone's house got mm-hmm. confiscated? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They just really, really good at converting people. It would seem so. I like this quote. Um, with the tribute money, they say, better one want for a common good than many perish for a private man. So there's a little bit of utilitarianism in there, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I'm not a fan of, but I guess Barabbas wasn't either. So you, those kind of principles are always great when you're not the one. When you're the, when you're the many, you're like, well, I can see why this works. And then when you're yeah. Barabbas, it's like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. Why do I have to pay my share of taxes ever? Wait. No, that actually does make sense. Mm. Yeah, he's not a Tory. You know. No, they, they mention that um, his wealth is more than the entire, like he alone has more money than the entire state of Malta combined. Oh, yeah. So like yeah. he is he's super Bezos. wealthy. Yeah. Or Elon Musk at this so point. So with them owing 10 years, like you do feel like, okay, it, it is fair to ask him to help. But at the same time, why has Fernese like consistently mismanaged the government of this province? Yeah, he's a <laughs> terrible governor. Like, I do not understand him. Like, I, yeah, I, I did not like him at all at the get-go. No. But, it's yeah. Ridiculous. It's like, well, I've done my job poorly for 10 years, so I guess you've got to give us all your money. Like, I can't see any other way around it. I feel like that is also, like, a jab at a lot of uh, leaders. Hmm. <laughs> so, you can this say This kind of thing did their, happen, you know, yeah. so that's... So, when I meet his daughter, Abigail... And she's lamenting um, and they talk about the hidden jewels and then they can't go to get them. So she has to pretend to be a nun. Like he thought it was abhorrent that he should convert to Christianity, but her pretending is okay. It's not oh, really yeah, pretending it's fine. <laughs> no, pretending is totally fine. He would have pretended as well, I guess, but I don't know. And she was totally up for it. She's like, yeah, I'll support you. I'll do this and get you your money back. And then yeah. I'll leave the church right away. Like the holy life isn't for me, she says. The idea, I suppose, is that he starts pretending he's annoyed that she's converted, I guess, just to like keep up the ruse or whatever. Yeah, um, it's entirely a ruse. They wouldn't believe that he would. Yeah. So, so Lodowick and Matthias, these these two gentlemen who are both in love with her, and they, they say that they want to visit her in the convent and everything like that, uh, in the nunnery. They do also mention that she's 14. And I'm like, ah, you, yeah, I would have preferred you just didn't give her an age than, than tell you know, me that. It's not as bad as <laughs> what happens later. Um, I think we'll get there. But at this point, I believe uh, Barabbas ends up getting a slave to help him uh, with his crimes. Another villain. Yeah, so this um, is where we move, I think, from Act 1 to Act 2 and he gets the slave. Um, a Turkish yeah. slave. Turkish um, And they're the ones that they're fighting against. The yeah, I was going to say that's the, the key point. He, you know, this is where we see the, the stereotypical prejudice towards the Jews again. We have Barabbas as a character saying that he only wants a slave who is sickly and will eat less. And um, <laughs> like he doesn't want a slave that he needs to put any expenses into. And then immediately tells the slave, like, well, we're going to get up to some villainy together. And the slave's like, oh, that sounds good. Like, that's, that's, that's the plan. <laughs> oh, and the slave was happy with it. He's like, yeah, I've been slitting Christians' throats for years. Like, let's go. Yeah, he's burning their villages and things, he even says. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have Barabbas admitting to all those types of things as well. 
that he was a soldier and committed these like heinous crimes and yeah and i suppose like how much you're supposed to think that well maybe they were putting him down a lot and that's why but we don't see that yet similar to the shylock situation where they talk about how horrendous it is living in his house but we don't really see it so like it's it's like people want to get revenge on him and we're like we don't know really why like you're just telling us he did a lot of things that didn't happen in the play you know (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it really doesn't ever come up again. It's kind of pointless. Yeah. It is to um, say, like, he's a bad person. But the key point here is he's going to oppose Matthias from getting with his daughter. Um, don't really know why he's not happy with that match. I guess if he's a Christian, potentially. Um, and then the slave, Ithamore, tells Barabbas about the burning of the villages and everything like that. And he tells his daughter, even though you loved Matthias, I want you to seduce Lodovic. Uh, Lodovic. Um, and then he vows that both men are going to die. So he uses them against each other, essentially. That's the idea. Yeah. Uh, it is not a sin to deceive a Christian. So that's what we learn here. Uh, only, you know, I guess if they're a Jew, that would be a sin. And he tells them, like, don't attack each other now. You you're both you both want this girl. You're going to have to fight each other. But don't attack each other now, because I might be like an accessory to that. So maybe, maybe attack them like another time, which he then instigates. <laughs> so um, sends them notes. They, they fight each other. He, he forges the notes so that it's written from him pretending to be from each other to meet at a place and yep. fight. And then he, you know, he's like, you know, comes in from on high and watches this fight. And they, of course, both die. Um, yeah. And that's act three, beginning of act three. Where it is kind of like a fast play. It's a to fast get, play. Like, all of these points in. Yeah. And I think it's really well done in a way. Like I can just keep reading. Uh keeps me hooked. Yeah. I really like that. So Lodowick's dad is the the governor, um, Ferenz, Feren- Ferenzi, or whatever he's called, we should mention. Matthias's mother, Catherine, also appears uh, at one point. And the t- she's yeah. like, Well, oh no, like Matthias is dead. I must die by the same sword. I love this kind of melodrama. It's like there's nothing else to do but to, for me to die with the same sword. And then Ferenz says, Well, is like Wait, uh, I should die. Yeah, so Wait, first he says, maybe I should die as well. And then eventually they decide, or instead of us both dying for no reason, why don't we find out who caused all this? And that's how Romeo and Juliet should have ended. <laughs> oh, no, I love the ending of Romeo and Juliet. The rom- the, the melodrama yeah, is no. just made for me. Um, so Ithamore, the slave, for some reason, tells Abigail what happened. He's like, oh, yeah, your dad wrote those notes and I carried them around. Yak, yak, yak. Yeah, I was... Like asking myself, like, like, hey, shut up! What are you doing? Yeah, why are you telling her this? <laughs> this is not necessary information, and this is going to make everything worse. I guess he assumes that she's of the same thing as her dad. Like, you know, he doesn't know yeah. her enough to know that she's a better person. I guess you know, so he just assumes that she's in on it, or she's going to be happy enough with that. But she was um, in love with one of them. Like, <laughs> does he know that? Like, I guess maybe it's not really clear uh, if he knows or cares. He probably that. doesn't know. He's just thinking about. The uh, prostitute he ended up seeing at that point, <laughs> like, ooh, she's hot. I want to be with her sometime. Yeah, were they so, necessary? I don't know. We'll discuss that later. There's some unnecessary bits, even though it is a quick play. The girl goes back to the nunnery, just is like, yeah, I'm gonna come back here because like, there's nothing else. Dad's not a nice guy. I just the nunnery have already accepted me, so I just you know stick it out there. And the Jew then decides, well, angry. Mm-hmm. He's very <laughs> angry. Um, he decides that the slave is now going to be his heir. Like he's going to adopt the slave as his heir, disinherit his well, daughter. Well, he tells the slave that he doesn't actually believe it. 
Mm, wow. Okay. That's he, he planned at that point, like, all right, I'm going to get him out of the way as well. too. Yeah. Yeah. He did. That's, that's yeah. kind of mentioned. He says that in his business. Um, but he, he says something which is very similar to the merchant of Venice. So when I said the similarities are in the small details, um, he mentions, you know, you can adopt and you'll eventually get all of my money, but during your life, you can use half of my money. That's the exact same like phrasing that they used in the merchant of Venice towards the end when they say to the guy, we've told mm-hmm. your dad that he's got to give you half his money for your lifetime and then the rest of it, like when you die. So it's, it's an, an irrelevant comparison, but it's just interesting that there's like little details that were the same, you know? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the Jew decides, does not try to poison everyone. Did you just have to poison his daughter? There we go. <laughs> yes. and that's, so that's that's the next part. And you know what? How many people die here? Do we know? Like, there's a mass poisoning. It is a mass poisoning. <laughs> All the nuns die. And this is what, what you say. She's 14. I missed that part. But then they say, "Oh, it's so bad that she died a virgin." Like, what is going on here? Yeah, that's none. And the... <laughs> they were saying earlier in the play, like, do these like friars like sleep with the nuns? And that's what priests and nuns do. And I, I think in this world or in this area, they probably did. Seems, yeah, because you're right. She confesses to the friar and he's not allowed to tell anyone. But one of the things he says is like, oh, it's such a shame that, you know, she's dying a, a virgin. It's like, is that the shame? Not that her own father poisoned her and like a hundred nuns potentially. Yeah. The shame is that she's a virgin. <laughs> and then like the next line is he, like he did something horrible. Is it as bad as crucifying a child? It's worse. Like, <laughs> like okay, that has me now imagining someone crucifying a baby <laughs> yeah some some of the bits are a little bit rough and this is why i think it's a more extreme play than the merchant of venice you know we don't really see things really? like this happen. yeah <laughs> but wait until um, act five that's gonna blow your mind but i do like the drama they put the drama where all the nuns are dead except the daughter and she stumbles out and she gets her last words you know on stage and to the friar and whatever and then dies and, and dramatic license or whatever but a bit convenient <laughs> like of all course. these sturdy women have died but this young 14 year old girl the poison takes longer on her you know hmm. she ate last she let all the old women eat first let's say that okay so the slave says he'll keep it a secret but Barabbas says oh I know you will because if he didn't I would slit your throat and it's like <laughs> well okay then that's intensified a little bit um, for some reason, Barabbas now says, look, there's no need to kill the two friars. They'll just die of grief for the nuns. We can just let them be. Uh, I don't know why doesn't he happen. was so stupid <laughs> at this point uh, to say that. Like, th- it doesn't happen, but I think he thought he could let them be until the friar then comes up to him and kind of says, oh, yeah, I know about that. I wasn't meant to but say But that's only that. because Abigail told him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's so, thinking like, oh, well, that's the end. Well, he was thinking that as well, like, after the two people going after abigail like died it's like well no the slaves said something nope abigail said something like it's i don't know just, why like, people are always telling their secrets here and the friar did not need to tell um barabbas my least favorite line of the whole play the slave asks him and um, it's more asks him do you not grieve for your dead daughter and he says no i only grieve that she lived so long <laughs> wow <laughs> i don't know what to do with that yeah, I think I thought there was a little more to it. Like she lived so long to become a Christian or something. 
I could Maybe be wrong. Maybe I've cut the line off. That's all I saw. Like, I just I wish she died sooner. Like, that's how I took that to be. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay then. There, there we are. Um, so the friar gives away his secret. And this is the part you talked about with a strangle one, lead him upright. The other one hits him with a stick. And then they he thinks that he's killed him. So they're wrecking his um, conscience on that one. Um, and now we have the courtesan that the slave loves and her well, like the 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 dramatis persona called him a bully. I guess, is he a pimp essentially? He is the pimp. Yep, he is her pimp. Yep. Um, so they're there, and they realize we can just get money from Barabbas. So they pretend that she's in love with um this this with this Amore, the slave, and they say go go to the Jew and get some money, and he gets three hundred crowns. Um, but the, they send the bully, but he comes back and says, oh, he only gave me ten. He didn't give me three hundred. Um, and then they say, well, go and get five hundred more. Now, why does Ismori get so big for his boots here? You know, he's like, oh, yeah, go tell him we want another 500 then. Like, he's playing with fire here. Oh, absolutely. But he's also like, I know these things that my master did. So I'm a villain, too. Like, you got to remember that. It implicates them both, though. Like, if he tells on the master, then he is equally implicated. I don't know why. But yeah, so the girl, these people are called Bellamira and Pilia. This is the... the, um, Who cares? You know, the pimp. I do not remember names. <laughs> and they don't really matter that much. They end up like bringing it up with the governor in like a later scene. Yeah. I mean, the only reason Bella Mir is important is obviously with Bella being beautiful and she's the courtesan. So that's like, she's well named, I suppose. Yeah. There is another play from this te- time period. I can't remember who it's by. Just called Bella Mira. Uh, I don't, I assume it's not the same character, but that's an interesting aside. Um. Huh. So yeah, they're going to get more money. Now we get the usual thing we used, we always see in Shakespeare, which is the disguises, right? So Barabbas comes in disguised as a French musician. Doesn't cross-dress, doesn't feel the need to go that far. Um, Shakespeare would no. have had to be a female musician or something. He has one of the weirdest lines. I want to see if I can find it. Um, so they're talking about him. He Yeah, comes in as a musician and talks about playing. And... Uh, no maybe not anyway he he like just makes a sound of like strumming or something i don't know honestly i got confused here this is the end of act four he talks about having poisoned flowers and then just nothing happens and he leaves again like i don't know what's going on at this point so he says, must tune in my lute for sound, twang, twang first. Like, why does he say twang, twang? <laughs> I don't know. Now, I do understand that. He does poison the flowers because he's like, okay, these people are trying to blackmail me. Let's get rid of them. They but then he doesn't the kill them. It does later. So mm. they end up in front of uh, the governor in Forense. I don't remember exactly how they get there. But you have uh, Ithamore, the, the slave. I can never remember his name. Um, Ithamore, yeah. Ithamore. Yeah, he basically tells the governor, yeah, we did all this stuff. And you have Barabbas like, why are you keep, why do you keep talking? <laughs> Stop it. Cortisone's yeah. there as well. And then they go off stage and a messenger comes back and says, they're all dead. They just all die off stage. Yeah. yeah. And it was because of the flowers. Except for Barabbas, who does the Juliet potion thing, and um, he gets tossed outside the walls, thinking that he's a dead body, and um, luckily they didn't want to put his head on a pike. The rest Uh, of them get chucked into the fire, and they basically say, well, he's not worthy of that, we'll throw him over the wall, and then he just wakes up. 
That he was just a gamble. Like, that was himself off, and I think <laughs> like, threw him on the fire. <laughs> that was just such a funny thing that happened. I can't complain about it. <laughs> it's just like okay, you're really, really trying your luck here. I think and- a lot of the deaths are like that. You have the one priest who gets blamed for killing the other priest. Uh, we kind of skipped that a little bit, but he ends up at like the hangman and says, please like do it, do it as fast as possible. Like here, let me do my prayers. One, two, three. Okay. We're done. Like kill me. <laughs> like he was so happy about dying. <laughs> I, I forgot that bit actually. Yeah. It was, it was really funny to me. I don't know. Because with the friar gone, all the loose ends should be tied up. Only, you know, the slaves now blabbing to the courtesans and things. So they tell yeah. him. And it's just like, why yeah. are everyone just telling secrets all over this play? Otherwise, everything would have been fine. So Barabbas then, he somehow finds the Turkish general or Kalamath. Cal- yeah, he finds the general and they siege the city. Yeah, he's like, oh, hey, if you go in these sewers here, or whatever, like you can get 500 men in to open the gates and do it. Like you win. And f- for that, and this is something I never would have seen with Shylock. They make Barabbas governor of Malta now. <laughs> yeah. He's governor of Malta, basically. <laughs> because he got them in and they're like, well, we're, I mean, our army's here, but we also need to leave again. So you're governor. And then Barabbas is like, wait a second. The entire city hates me and wants me dead. What if I create this plot to get friends back on my side? I don't Even really know why he does this. Him? You know, he's the governor. Could they not have left a couple of trips with him or, you know... Is he so scared he needs friends on his side now? Like, I wasn't really clear why the rest of this happens. I feel like it's to get someone that the rest of the town would trust. And I don't know if friends knew that Barabbas helped him in. He probably did. Um, help the Turks in, I mean. I, yeah. Yes, yeah. So but also, I'm just like, I don't care. Just tell me where this is going. This is fun. It is fun. The end is fun. So Barabbas makes a deal with Ferenz for a hundred thousand pounds. Um, let's host a meal for the Turks and we'll kill them all. I'll get lots of money and you can be governor again, basically. Yeah. So they set up this, is it his house? Is it the monastery? I that, think so. Like, yeah, it's not they just explicit. with gunpowder, basically, to have explode. And then, yeah, all the troops die. That does actually happen. But at the same time, you have Barabbas setting up his house to be, like, just a trap. Or this one area, he, like, loosens a floorboard or something just to be a trap door to drop... um, Again, yeah, relying on people standing in the right place at the right time and whatever. But they drop into a cauldron and boil them, right? (laughs) Yeah. So you have... Ferenz, who's the one opening it instead of Barabbas, there's your mistake. Um, yeah. Barabbas says, Yeah, this is how we're going to kill the Turkish general. Uh, Barabbas, for some reason, walks over the trap door. And Ferenz is like, You know, I can just get rid of this thorn on my side and be friends with the Turkish guy. Yeah. And- but this is the bit. So, how does this work? Ferenz then goes to the Turkish guy, Kalimath, and says, Look, Barabbas has tricked you all. He was going to kill all your soldiers and let you fall into that cauldron. Instead, I've let, yeah, so he's like, instead, I've got him in the cauldron. If I'm Kalimath, I'm like, but you still kill all my soldiers. Like, you still knew about, you saved me, thanks, but why did you let them all die? <laughs> I don't think it was just a, I don't know if it was to save him. I think Barabbas was the bigger thorn in his side because yeah. he still imprisons Kalimath. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Oh, um, friends wins. They make him his prisoner, and that's kind of 
how it ends. So, like, right? so you don't really care much is, about wins. A platoon of soldiers is dead. You have all the carpenters who were building that trap door. Uh, Barabbas sent them to drink some poisoned wine. They're all dead. The nuns were poisoned and they're dead. <laughs> uh, the slave, the prostitute, the pimp, uh, Abigail, the two suitors, like so many people are dead and i'm just in awe of this play like this would be so much fun to perform i feel oh uh, this would be a lot of fun to perform or even just rabbis would be fantastic i yeah i I think in a sense it's more fun even than than the merchant of venice but Hmm. i looked at going back through the notes there it's a very quick play yes and it is short, and it, but it moves very quickly, and then it's just over. And it, it's a fun play, but it's kind of like a little thrill ride. Like, it's just, you know, gives you a few little hits, and then it's done. So, would you say it's a better play than Merchant of Venice? Although it's more fun, I do feel like it is, I still say it's it's less high quality. Like, Merchant of Venice does feel like a more important play. You know, yeah. it's it's got that Shakespeare sheen to it, you know, that no one else can really achieve. And at the same time, this play does have a little bit more anti-Semitism. You know, the Jews are really, really bad guy. And I think the stereotypical kind of behavior makes me like it a little bit less, you know? He's less redeemable. There's definitely more depth in Merchant of Venice that you can get out of it by making Shylock a good-ish guy, um, or sympathetic at least. And yeah, I do think that the love story is very nice in Merchant of Venice. There are probably more problems that we have with Merchant of Venice with like the trial and act five in which you have Portia just taking advantage of the ring and all that. Um, But yeah, this one is, this is one of those that you turn your brain off to, but yeah, Merchant of Venice is definitely more like art. I could see Merchant of Venice being like an artsy, dramatic movie. I could see this just being like a funny comedy action type movie. You know, like that's the yeah. comparison, I think. You put like Merchant of Venice up there with like, I don't know, Casablanca or Citizen Kane. This one is like, uh, how should I, how would I put it? Um, it's your like shoot em up. It's like Demolition Man for me. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone and yeah. Yeah, but you know, I would say that they're both good and they both have their own vibe and initially yeah. i want you know we wanted to read this to see how they compare and the answer is they're both good plays but they don't have that many points in common oh, other no. than one or two little details that aren't that important you know they both have a daughter okay they're both jews they're both merchants there is bits about his ships coming in and things but that's standard for any merchant it's not really a comparison in the play as such you know little details but yeah okay there's the prejudice going on with the jews and the fact that two people are in the same time chose to write a play about that okay, there is some similarity in the backdrop, but the actual events of the plays are very, very different. Yeah, it's like, what, 10 years, 15 years after Shakespeare's version, so... I thought it was slightly less, but it's a good, it's a few years later anyway, yeah. It's, yeah, because this one's like 1623, I think. Okay. I could be wrong about I that. I thought it was more like eight to 10 years, but yeah, I think we're still we're still talking in and around a decade, you know, later, so... Um, and that's... That's interesting, but it's a good play. Oh, no, I'm completely wrong. Oh. Um, okay, so written in 1589 or 1590, so before. Yeah, this one, this one came first, sorry. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's first by around 8 to 10 years. Or I don't know why I thought it was later. Anyway, yeah, glad I fixed that. 
So the year was 1889 or 90, you said, yeah? 15, so 15, like a 15. And this, yeah, Shakespeare's play was first performed 1605, but probably written, probably written in the late 90s. So, yeah, that's about a decade later. Yeah. They say 1596, 1599. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's it, though. Like, there's, although a lot happens in this play, the recap is very brief because it is a quick play. It is a short play and you cover the main theme and that's it. There's not as much to talk about. Yeah, there really isn't a ton of depth, I guess. The only thing that I think could bring a lot of depth from this is uh, the parallels with Machiavellian philosophy because that's basically what this is about. It's like pitting uh, the providence of God versus like Machiavellian tactics. However, neither of us really know much about Machiavelli. (laughs) Yeah. And so I feel like there's a lot there if you know more about Machiavelli, which is annoying. Yeah. I'd like to talk more about it, but I don't think we're the people for it. Yeah. I, I think we, from our own knowledge and experience, we've covered all we can. I mean, I, I kind of approach this more, and I think we did the same thing even when PJ and I did Faustus. So although, although it doesn't have a specific play to compare it to the way we were with The Merchant of Venice, when I read Shakespeare's contemporaries, I'm always approaching it with the mindset of compare and contrast with Shakespeare. Like, Shakespeare is amazing in this period. Let's see what his chums were doing, you know? And yeah. that's kind of the, the approach that I'm always taking. It's always kind of like, is this similar or different to what Shakespeare was doing? You know, I mean, who else do you have? So you have Marlowe, Shakespeare, you got Ben Johnson, and not a playwright, but you got John Donne, who is hmm. a contemporary of Ben Johnson's. What, like... about, what about Robert Greene? Did he write plays? He wrote, a, you know, he's the one that was the critic of Shakespeare. Um, I think he wrote plays as well, right? No. Did he not? Yeah. Because he was annoyed. I'm, I'm, my knowledge of this is definitely going to um, okay. the, the TV show, you know, with um, with the guy from Peep Show. That's where I'm getting my, my knowledge here. Upstart sure. Pro. Um, so there are some, but I don't really know them at all. So Thomas Middleton, uh, John Webster, and Thomas Decker are the three others that we haven't named. Okay. Um, but I, again, couldn't tell you anything about them. Ah, hold on. So no, I'm right. Robert Greene, he wrote A Groot's Worth of Wit where he criticized Shakespeare, but he did write plays. Um, Friar Bacon and Friar Bungie. A Looking Glass for London and England. He did a James IV uh, to, to rival Shakespeare's. The Comical History of Alphonsus, King of Aragon. Salimus. The History of Orlando Furioso. So nothing that I've heard of. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of... <laughs> how it is i mean i feel like there's a lot to learn about elizabethan well actually my last university had a class just on elizabethan literature um yeah lots of focus on poetry but yeah Yeah, because when you look at the time periods of, of english literature um a lot of it would have been poetry and plays it's really up until i mean you would have had your gothic stuff but really it's it's from Jane Austen onwards where the novel takes over as the the type of literature that is like the most talked about, you know, and, and anything before that, we do get a lot of prose, a lot, we get less prose and more poetry, you know? Yeah. I mean, so pre-Elizabethan, you had the Renaissance era, right? 
so I don't know really what came out like written, the written word at that time, but that's just exiting like the middle ages in which there was nothing. Uh, You have like two extant morality plays, I think. Um, But yeah, there really isn't much pre-Elizabethan era. Um, Well, between like 900 and uh, yeah, I guess 1500. Uh, but this is for Europe, of course. Like there was a ton going on in Asia at the time, and but yeah. Oh sure, yeah. I you know this is interesting for me because I, I focus mostly on Victorian era stuff, so it's always nice to go a little bit earlier than that. Um, and mm-hmm. I went as far as Jane Austen, but I never really got into the pre-novel period stuff, other than Shakespeare. You know, Shakespeare was like standing on his own on an island, and everything else was like three hundred years later. So it's, it's nice to like actually see a few of his contemporaries from time to time and see what other things were going on in that, in that time period, you know? Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there's little nuggets to find there. Like I'll have to read Dr. Faustus because you said it's even better than this one. Yeah. You don't, you don't want fancy uh, Friar Bacon and Friar Bungie. No. <laughs> um, maybe <laughs> not. I mean, again, I don't know anything about it. You know, it's so bad because maybe it could turn out to be an amazing play. I'm just assuming it's garbage because it sounds silly and it's by Robert Greene, but maybe it's actually brilliant. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm looking online now. I have no idea what a lot of these are. The Spanish tragedy? That sounds like it would be famous, but mm-hmm. I don't know anything about it. Um, well, I don't know. But we are going to... We- why don't you, yeah. do you want to tell us what the next non-Shakespeare play is that we're going to we're going to do with BJ? Well, it sounds like we're going to be doing Doll's House by mm-hmm. Henry Gibson, one of the greatest playwrights of all time and uh, even one of the best directors, depending who you ask, as long as it's not Chekhov. Um, <laughs> OK, we'll get into that. But Chekhov hated Ibsen. And this uh, is for- this is stuff that's all new to me. You know, my I only really know theater from Shakespeare and from ancient Greece. So I'm surprised because this is late 1800s. Yeah, so. it's it's the period, it's I, your should, time period. I should like. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm yeah. hoping I'm going to like it. So that's what's going to be uh, coming up next. I think that's us. There's there's nothing else to say about this play. No, if you just want a fun ride, definitely check it check it out. Um, this needs to be produced more. Uh, I want to see it in theater. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I can't even have a Shakespearean day because it's not Shakespeare. Um, Don't kill an entire nunnery. And don't be (laughs) anti-Semitic. Also that. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.